0: The I
1: And welcome to Ornate Stairwells. We're fucking back. Finally. Fucking finally. It's summer now. It changed from, su- it's from spring so to summer. Hot. It's so hot. I've got the ceiling fan on. Nora and I need an air conditioner in here, but the windows are currently open, so you might hear a little more street sounds than usual. I'm sorry, but if I didn't do this, I would die
2: of heat stroke on the
1: podcast.
2: Yeah, um, a thing about Chicago is that it likes to be really cold. This, this is honestly a lot of the Midwest. It likes yeah. to be really cold, where everyone is like, "Why is it not spring yet?" And then suddenly it just becomes Satan's front porch. Like, it just immediately jumps. It just. Skips I am right used over to it.
1: this from the Midwest, but like, the swings in like Kansas City are from like forty to seventy overnight. The swing yeah. from Chicago was like 30 to 80 overnight, you know, yeah. um, I'm not I, listeners. If you only know Celsius, I'm not Googling it
2: <laughs> anyway. Um, I could probably do it in my head, but it'll, it would take slightly longer than I feel is worth it.
1: We're back from a long layoff. We were both sick at various times, still a little bit sick, to be honest. Still not at, like, 100%. I'm at, like, 98, I would say, but...
2: Yeah. I am, like, a little bit sniffly. Um, And also, I sometimes still have a cough, but that might just be uh, the inhaler that I currently have not working as well as the one that was working well for me because insurance wants me to use multiple inhalers.
1: Love it. So good. Anyway, Um. this is not an Aquarius episode. That's yeah. fucking canceled. I, I have shot Aquarius into the sun. I never want to hear about Aquarius again. That movie's dead to me.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, if people like really want us to do Aquarius like actually on the podcast, let us know. Um, if people look at the schedule that's posted, uh, we are like getting this back on track just in time to do the one year of the podcast episodes that we had planned and have talked uh-huh. about um so it wouldn't be for a little while um and honestly i think i would rather just like watch it on my own and talk about it next time or something Um, i will
1: i will endeavor to watch it on my own but we are not like like Doing a podcast about it. It's so fucking cursed. <laughs> We've tried for two months to record an episode about Aquarius, and it hasn't happened. And I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am fucking done.
2: <laughs>
1: Get fucked, João. Um uh,
2: It's honestly more cursed than the uh, 2046 episode or whatever. By far. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: The 2046 episode was just like, ah, the timing isn't working out, like, two weeks in a row. Ah, well, we'll just soldier on. Yeah. It's this not is really, like-, like,
2: Christmas anymore, so we'll move on. That was kind of your Christmas pick. This is just like, no, this movie is, like, the bane of this podcast somehow. Um, yeah. I don't know how. We yeah. watch, like, two and a half hour movies all the time. I want to watch that movie. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been sick as hell for two months is
1: what it is. Speaking of two-and-a-half-hour movies, uh, do we want to talk about The Batman, a movie we both watched in the time <laughs> off? Yeah. Just kidding. That movie's three hours for no reason.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, people can go listen to, like, the podcast that you all recorded about it for way more thoughts. Um, yeah. I think my main thought watching it, uh, and one, I like, Emily didn't seem super excited about watching it. And I think some of it is that she just doesn't like movies as much as TV shows. Um, but then I was watching it and I was like, this is experientially the same as like, I will sit and she'll be like, well, I'm going to watch like um, Batwoman now or Batgirl or whatever, whatever that show is, the CW one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just like marathon three hours of it at night um, because it's, it's, like, weirdly structured like a TV show to me. Like I could, Absolutely. I could so easily see how you would take the Batman and break it up and make it into, like, a CW show or, like, a Netflix, like, um, you know, meant to be, like, streamed and, and basically just marathoned in one night anyway. Uh, like, the Jessica Jones stuff, like, has that vibe to me. Um, mm. And so that was what it – I was just watching it being, like, I just feel like the line for I think a lot of, like, mass media now between a movie and, like, a like TV show in this, like, sense that has been built up um, yeah. now, like, after, like, Prestige TV and how it's influenced, like, TV broadly, it's so thin. There's, like, yeah. so little line there. Um And that was just what struck me the most, because there's like parts where they will like set up a mystery and then they'll like solve it. But then it opens up another mystery. And I'm like, that could just be an episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. So like, I almost wish there were just points that was like, if you want to stop watching it now, you can. We've like wrapped things up. Um, You can come back to it. (laughs) I literally over the
1: course of watching it, like both times at the hour mark, by coincidence was like. I feel like I'm at a pausing point. I'm going to like get up and take a stretch, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: but yeah I just, yeah, think I,
1: the, well. um, the movie just like spins its wheels so much too. <laughs> in yeah. a way that doesn't make sense. Yeah. For uh, a
3: movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. For a film fundamentally i just want a batman television show like that's why i've been watching some titans that's why i was watching arrow uh I might pick arrow back up but like fun i just want them to make a batman tv show no gotham doesn't count no pennyworth doesn't count i want them to make a television show about batman <laughs> yeah uh i don't know The uh, while i was watching it i was like oh this movie's fine and then recording the podcast, I started to get a little lower on it. And now, like, this is genuinely the first time I've thought about it since we recorded that episode. Like, I have not thought about that movie for even <laughs> 10 seconds um, since I since the day I watched it. Uh, but yeah, thinking about it now, I'm like. eh. eh. <laughs> Dark Knight um, Rises is like a worse movie, but at least I remember things that happened in it.
2: Yeah, um, it's this weird thing of, like, I was watching it and enjoying it, and I feel like there's, like, a little bit more effort put into, like, defining an aesthetic, even if it's not that, like, distinct or amazing of an aesthetic, than, like, Marvel, which a lot of Marvel movies just feel, like, extremely, like, workshop to death, like, we yeah. have one style. Um, well, the, the, the...
1: So much of the the press around both Batman and Joker, you know, was Mm -hmm. like, oh, the directors of these movies have seen 70s movies and they're going to try and make it look like 70s movies. And like, I don't think Batman succeeds at that as much as Joker does, which is like, I don't think Joker succeeds at anything because it's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I don't think I don't think Batman looks as 70s as maybe like the press wanted you to believe it would would but at least it's trying to look like literally anything whereas like the the marvel movies i think actively tr- try to avoid having an aesthetic because an aesthetic might alienate a potential audience member you know yeah <laughs>
4: <laughs> um. so we must
1: have like no visual appeal because like that maximizes the number of audience members.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, the the weirdest thing is, despite watching it, like, on my lonesome, it, it's just extremely in the same space in my brain as just a lot of, like, television shows that Emily watch, where I'm, like, passively watching it and being like, oh, this is, like, this is fun. I'm, like, you know, I'm not, like put off by this some of this like action is fun or whatever um and then it's just like eminently forgettable I'm just like I cannot tell you what happened in basically any episode of Supergirl despite watching a lot of it with Emily so you know you know
1: I will say um uh the last time that we hung out um Emily was watching um Our Flag Means Death yeah, um, I only saw, like, there's ten episodes of that show, I saw the the last five, so I missed a lot of the setup, but, um, I have thought about that show far more often than I thought have thought about the Batman,
4: <laughs>
1: which is to yeah, say, I have periodically good. remembered jokes from it, and be like, oh, that's a pretty funny joke.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that show was good. Yeah. Um... One other thing I'll say about the Batman is there are way more stairs in it than uh, Marvel movies, so that's yes. another plus in its favor. Yes. Um, there's an entire fight scene on stairs. My favorite part is when he drives a motorcycle down some stairs. That's great. That is pretty <laughs> sick. It's pretty sick. Um, I still feel like it's like not. I still feel like it's in like C range. Yeah, I want to
1: say C minus even.
2: Yeah. Um, like it's not like, He does really... drive a
1: motorcycle down some stairs, but I'm going to give it a C- I feel like.
2: Yeah, there's not really like a, a stairs scene um, mm-hmm. that's like doing interesting things with the stairs. <laughs> but it did prove to me that you can make a modern movie and have stuff happen on stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, you just maybe can't do the like Marvel one where literally everything is just always green screens because mm-hmm. they want to be able to change the background like eight times during post-production. Mm -hmm. Um. anyway Um, do you want to talk about more batman
1: i do i uh, i always want to talk about batman
2: (laughs) i love him are we gonna Um, talk about batman for more time than you talked about batman on gotham city limits (laughs) possible certainly possible listeners
1: um you know, listening to this, we'll already know that um Em and I earlier this evening recorded a 16-minute episode of Gotham City <laughs> Limits. Because <laughs> sometimes nothing happens in the TV show. <laughs> sometimes the TV show just sucks and we say that for 15 minutes and then we bounce.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, um... So yeah, I also talked uh, about Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, Ultimate Edition, Um, the the original Snyder Cut, if you will. But the original Snyder Cut is that three-hour version of Watchmen (sighs) that people tell me is better. Um, Oh, God. I I am extremely press-x to doubt about there being a good version of Zack Snyder's Watchmen in existence, but you know...
2: (laughs) Uh, anyway... <laughs> did they take out the part where they're walking towards a watchtower, and they play all along the watchtower?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: Zack Snyder loves him some needle drops. I feel like he's gone away from it a little bit, but, uh, back in the day, he used to love him some needle drops. Um... It's weird. It's weird that the Batman only has two needle drops and they're like the same song at the beginning and the end of the movie. I thought that was really weird. Yeah. Um, Even though they did pick like a Nirvana song that I really like. um, I was just like, what 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 are we doing here? Anyway. Uh, So, yeah, uh, if people don't listen to Gotham City Limits, um, Batman v Superman is a movie that I saw in theaters and didn't like at all, even a little bit, and Nora and I, um, I I basically held Nora at gunpoint and made her watch Batman v Superman with me, um, and on HBO Max is the, like, extended cut of that movie, um, and, uh, that movie is fucking incredible! (laughs) It's genuinely one of the best, like, blockbuster action movies of the last 22 years. (laughs) I think it's amazing. I think it's absolutely insane. I think Zack Snyder just barfs up every single post 9-11 feeling that anybody has ever had onto the screen. And it's electric. I can't get enough of it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) (coughs) Um... So much of the 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 movie feels like, because I guess it's just what we do on stairwells um, is rag on Marvel movies. So much of like what um, Batman v Superman is, I think maybe unintentionally feels like commentary on all the like, th- like there's a lot of post nine eleven anxiety all through the MCU. Like that is like the building blocks of the MCU, um, but like. The thing that is so much fun about Batman v Superman is that like Zack Snyder is very introspective about his own post 9/11 fears and accidentally in the process just like critiques everything about every movie <laughs> of the last, you know, 20 years that has been like about 9/11 because like he is introspective in a way that nothing else is and so it feels like he's like criticizing marvel movies in this big extreme way when he's really just you know making a movie that he yeah. thinks is interesting um i love it i love this movie so much um it also helps that batman murders like eight people and i'm like hell yeah <laughs> 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 which i never i never thought i would say i i um when i first saw like the Snyderverse like movies Uh, Man of Steel, and the first time I watched Batman v Superman, I felt like, oh, he's ruining my characters that I love so much. And something just has broken in my brain to where I have totally just come to accept, yeah, I am all right with uh, Zack Snyder's version of Batman being a dude who's just going to kill dozens of dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, uh, really, really, really like Batman v Superman, Donald Justice now, uh, uh, probably as much as I like Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, I, I might like Zack, I might like his Justice League a little bit better, but, like, it's neck and neck, I think those movies are amazing, um, I genuinely, I finished Batman v Superman and thought about putting on the four-hour Justice League movie immediately (laughs) after, uh. And it was at that point that Nora said, you can no longer hold me at gunpoint. I am not fucking watching more. <laughs> oh.
4: um,
2: the, so there's like a part of me sometimes that I'm like, I should watch one of these ones that I know like you and M and other people enjoy um, because I watched 300 and then I watched the Watchmen and I was just like, I think I'm just done with Zack Snyder. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, everything I just said about how much I love uh, his two most recent movies. I guess he had that like army of the dead movie. I haven't seen that, but everything I just said about how much I love his two most recent DC movies. Um, I also rewatched 300 this year. And um, that's in like bottom five or 10 movies I've ever seen there. there it is a empty, racist nightmare movie like there is nothing except racism like just pure unadulterated like racism just like (laughs) there's this there's a stupid there's a stupid thing that happens in punisher 2099 that i think about a lot where um the punisher is jumping out of a plane and someone says you need a parachute and he says i don't need a parachute i have hatred um and Zack Snyder did that when he was making Three Hundred. Except he didn't need a parachute; he just had racism, you know.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um,
1: dreadful movie. Uh, but his, his new stuff is great.
2: <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have a stairwell rating for Dawn of
4: Justice?
2: Uh, Nora. W- were there
1: any moments that I pointed at the screen and said stairs during Batman v. Superman? Do you remember? This was when we were both at our sickest, so I my memory is foggy. Maybe at the party? Yeah, there's a spiral, st- st- there's a spiral staircase somewhere in that movie, I think. There's
2: a better stairwell. Like, even Wayne Manor has a better stairwell in the Nolan movies than
1: in the Snyder movies. Yeah. Um... I I I'm probably just going to give this the question marks um probably going to be a lot of movies that get question marks because one Nora and I were extremely sick yeah. like the most sick uh and, and two um it's been a month it's been a month of movie watching yeah um, we're going to get to a movie at some point on this list that I straight
2: up forgot watching so um, well, shall we move on to my next movie? Yes. Which is Nana 2. Um, also just a little thing, uh, tomorrow, I mean, who knows, maybe this will fall through. I don't think it's going to though. I think finally, M and I are going to record our, our Nana, like Ghost Divers <laughs> bonus episode where we talk about the manga. Um, so we can look forward to that on, I think the Friday After they hear this. Or if you're listening in the free feed, it's already out. Uh, But anyway, um, yeah, I continue to just be like terminally nana brained. Um, I thought finishing
1: the manga was going to cure you, but no.
2: No. It just. So the thing is that the manga's not finished. So I'm just. It's become your entire personality. (laughs) That's not true. It's become a large facet of it. I was just watching <laughs> Nana TikToks today and tweeting about them. So,
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that um that's not true is what addicts would say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Nana 2, um the sequel to the first Nana live action movie. Um overall I think I liked the first one more in terms of like like so the first one goes through the plot of like, it basically starts with them meeting on the train and it goes through to, um, once like sort of blast is reunited, um, like, Osaki Nana has reunited with Ren. And then, uh, sort of as this like, thanks. Um, since now, like Nana and Ren are back together. Um, she like invites over Takumi from, uh, the trap nest, the like one of, um, Hachi's favorite bands and her, like, like basically like the, the celebrity member of it that she has a crush on. Um, just being like, Oh, this is just like a cute thing. Um, and it, it's funny because it ends there because like what happens next with talking me is what Nana two is about, which is just like the start of the actual relationship between, Uh, Hachi and Takumi who's just like a a deeply shitty abusive boyfriend um and it goes through basically to I think around where the the uh, anime ends as well which is the um there's a scene that's like this fireworks that they go to um the original fireworks were like cancelled because of a tsunami um and so there's like they fire off some fireworks themselves um And then there's a part where they're, like, going later and blah, blah, blah. It's the first, like, flash-forward where you see a little bit of, like, the future. But they changed that flash-forward stuff um, in a way that actually kind of, like, made me feel dissatisfied with the way that they they kind of changed the ending. um, Because I feel like the... I haven't gotten to the ending of the anime, but I've seen some of the stuff from the end. Um, And then the manga just, like, keeps going. Um, And it, like, becomes, like, increasingly, like there's sort of this falling out between Hachi and Nana that happens and then there's like this like coming back together um but then also things are ambiguous because the manga's not ended and people can go listen to the you know episode we're going to record about more of that um but it it does this like weird thing where um in a way that feels like very um knowing the rest of the stuff feels, like, very, like, disingenuous or, um, like, papering over what's happening. Um, there's kind of this, like, Nana being, like, oh, I'm just, like, happy that you have, like, this guy that you love, um, and Hachi, like, that. And it's just, like, papering over all the shit that's gonna happen. So I kind of, I kind of hated, Mm -hmm. like, the way that they slightly changed the, the ending of that, you know, because the manga keeps going. They wanted to give, like, more of a concrete ending, um... But in doing so, like, kind of invalidated a lot of like, no, like, Takumi is like a a deeply abusive, manipulative man, um, who like basically sees everybody in his life as like pawns that he's moving around, um, to like basically orchestrate like, this is what I think is going to be, this is what I think is going to be best for everyone, and of course it benefits me the most, um, right? Is kind of the like approach he has. So in terms of like that, like I. Story-wise, I just didn't enjoy it that much. But I did um, enjoy most of the recasting that they did. Um, they recasted a number of actors, and I think most of them are are better. Um, the, ac- the actress for Hachi is maybe slightly, like, is not quite as good at getting her as the first one. Um, but they're fairly close. But, like, uh, in the first movie, Shin, who's supposed to be um, a 16-year-old pretending to be 18... 18- To join the band. Uh, It's just played by a man who's, like, clearly in his mid-20s, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, very clearly in a way where, like, there's no way I can believe that he's 16, let alone 18. Um, Right. the, The kid who plays Shin in Nana 2 is, like... Scarily, like spot on for the character. Uh, plays him extremely well. Um, does look like perfectly captures the being young but trying to appear older uh, and kind of succeeding, but also not really in a way where like eighteen is the best that you can hope for for your lie. Um, so, and a lot of the other character casting is really good. So, like I, I enjoyed the the moment-to-moment, like, the the acting and just seeing the characters. Um, I think also the the costume design, uh, they tried to... They weren't quite as focused on, like, let's replicate the exact uh, outfits that appear in the manga. And in doing so, we're able to get outfits that felt a little bit more real and just, like, actual fashion mm. that fit these characters. Whereas in the other one, it's like, okay, the manga is, like, taking Vivian Westwood... Um, like outfits and then drawing like characters wearing them. And then they're trying to do it in live action, but they don't have the budget to go buy a bunch of Vivian Westwood. And so everything just looks like weird, cheap knockoffs. Um, this one, they kind of built, a, a uh, outfits that would just fit a little bit more, um, and feel a little bit more like, Oh yeah, this is what they would be wearing, even if it's not exactly how it appears in the manga. So, um, yeah, in terms of, like, general production and everything, I enjoyed it more. Uh, but just in terms of what they do with the plot, I... One, some of the, the uh, early stuff with Takumi is, like, a little drawn out and uh, frustrating. Um, and it just being all of that and then them, like, ending it in a way that felt kind of shitty. I was just like, eh. <laughs> Not a big fan of the plot of this one. Um, yeah. Also, they barely show the stair. The one part where they show the stairs in the apartment building... Is literally a literally a flashback to the first movie but because they have recast Hachi they have to reshoot some of it with the new actress which is very funny um but that was it so mm-hmm. um I might give it like a D plus um okay it's still important stairwell but they like it just shows up at the very beginning as a flash forward oh wait yeah I put it in the wrong spot what what are we doing okay um there we go
1: space jam a new legacy not space jam 2 very important that's yeah (laughs) um (laughs) i somehow have perhaps roped myself into watching this movie twice which i've already watched it like a time and a half because i watched half of it by myself and was like oh this sucks yeah and then nora and i ended up watching it together like a week or two later We're going to export about it. We got 10 fucking emails, so we're going to export about it. We just, you know... Getting everything back on track. That one hasn't happened yet. Um, uh, uh, And then I might end up watching it with you, because you want to watch it, question mark? (laughs) But you're not going to watch it by yourself, because who would... I I could tell you from experience, watching Space Jam A New Legacy by yourself is is a bad idea.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of it was, like, you talking to me a little bit about it and being like, I don't know if you would want to watch it. And I was like, sure, I would watch it with you. Um, I'm just, like, <laughs> slightly curious because of the original Space Jam is a movie that, like, almost works in spite of itself. And it works largely on the, the like, charisma of Michael Jordan being able to, like, sell it um, mm. in a way that, like, I just imagine is not captured in the same way here. (laughs) So, okay. So
1: as a person born in 1996, I have long felt that LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. And that, um, like, uh, people talk up Michael, but you know, LeBron is better than Michael. People are just like old heads, blah, blah, blah. Um, one, like the past two seasons of, of, you know, LeBron is 37. These these past two seasons of him, like, not playing at his peak uh, should not tarnish his legacy. But, like, it has been very easy to be like, man, he's not playing as good as he used to the last two seasons, and he put out a Space Jam that's not even as good as the first Space Jam, which I don't think is, like, a classic of cinema.
4: Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> but um, LeBron is a bad actor. He is a, a a like net negative like screen presence, I think, which is nuts because like he's been on TV since he was 16 years old, you know. Like, yeah. Um, I would think that he would have like the the like I don't know. I've watched like reality shows hosted by Steph Curry, and I think Steph Curry has like a lot of like on screen presence that like. LeBron does not. LeBron is just a very bad actor. It doesn't help that, like, he is only making this movie because he is, like, constantly, like, always, it, it, in every action he takes in his life, like, chasing the, the legacy of Michael Jordan and chasing, like, you know, wanting to be as good as, as Jordan, which I can't blame him for. But, like, it is, like, all over this movie, and it sucks the life out of it. <laughs> Um, I I I complained on an export, probably a year ago now. Christ, um, about the Lego Batman movie and how I hate all these like, um, recent movies. And these are two WB movies, but I know there are a number of Disney movies that do this that I just don't watch. Um, that like are very like. Brass commercialization movies that are like oh we're just gonna cross over a million characters um that we like because we own like so many ip and we're just gonna like put all our ip in the movie um and so that you can point in the screen and be like i know that reference um and then but also the the plot is about how that's bad and so like so much of the plot of space jam 2 is like um There's an algorithm played by Don Cheadle that wants to, like, make a new Space Jam, and LeBron is like, oh, that would be stupid. A new Space Jam? Who would ever want to watch that? Um, While making the new Space Jam (laughs) that has all the, like, dumb crossovers that the algorithm is... Uh, Nora, did you want to interject? Sam, I felt about the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) I barely heard that. Nora said this is how she felt about the new Matrix movie too. <laughs> um yeah, it's like a it's like a trend and I think it's a dumb trend. I think it's like I would really I really like I'm not a big Space Jam 1 fan, but I do think it's like considerably more earnest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because it is just a movie where Michael Jordan stands around, kind of, like, smiles at the camera periodically, and and the Looney Tunes play some basketball, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's not deep in the way that, like, Space Jam 2 is trying really hard to, like, say something (laughs) that is, like, actively contradictory to what the movie is. Sorry, it'll... To, to, to spill a bunch of Space Jam 2 feelings at you, but I've just been sitting on them.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not
1: think I was going to go that long on Space Jam 2, because I am planning to do a real podcast about it at some point, but, like...
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the other reason why I want to watch it is that my nephew really likes Space Jam A New Legacy, um, and I just kind of want to understand a little bit of, like, what my nephew's on about. Um... Like, I understand the basic of, basics of uh, Space Jam, but um, it's like this kid's How favorite. How old is movie. your nephew? Um, let's.
1: Unless you just, like, don't like, want to say that on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, time just, like,
2: fly. fly. It's like. I think is, like, about to start, um, like, actual elementary school. Like, okay, right around. I large. just.
1: I couldn't tell if this was, like,. I couldn't tell if this was, like, oh, my 12-year-old nephew who is, like, old enough to, like, actually, like, dislike movies, you know? Because, yeah. like, I feel like around 12 is the first time that I, at least in my life, I started to be like, wow, I watched that movie and it wasn't very good,
2: you yeah. know? But I, um, I think when you're, like, in that, like, early elementary school, there is still the distinction between, like, you watched the movie and you enjoyed the movie, or mm-hmm. you watched the movie and now this is just what you talk about with the adults in your life, is how much you liked that movie. Um, yes. There is still, yes. like, a, a distinction there.
1: Yes. I definitely remember there were movies that I saw as a kid, and then there were movies that I, like, wore the damn VHS tape out on,
2: you know? Yeah. Like right now, this is his Pokemon, basically. Yeah. Um,
1: or, or, or I had a, I have a niece who was four when Frozen came out. So, like, you can imagine how much Frozen was watched in that household. Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> and like, you're not watching Frozen, but you are like playing and like. They're, they're just talking about like frozen stuff like they're like yeah will you be the snowman and like I'll be the princess or whatever and you're like okay it, it made it so
1: easy <laughs> to get her Christmas presents because it was yeah. like, okay everybody's just getting her frozen stuff because that's the thing that she likes right now you know yeah. because she's four and she's only capable of liking one thing
2: <laughs> yeah we just get him <laughs> space jam stuff right now so yeah um, that is
1: that was one thing I was wondering about the new space jam was like you know, you know like Space Jam, I, I think maybe a better example is, like, Shrek. Like, adults who watched Shrek when Shrek came out because they had children probably are just like, oh, that was a movie I watched. And then, like, you know, fast forward 10, 15 years, and there's, like, a meme culture around Shrek because people who, like, grew up watching Shrek, like, it is, like, part of their DNA, and they they meme it, and it's, like... You know, this whole thing. I am curious if in 15 years there are going to be a bunch of kids that are like, no, Space Jam 2 is good, actually. And we're making a bunch of memes. Is Space Jam 2 the B-movie, perhaps, 15 years from now?
2: Yeah. Well, it will remain to be seen, (coughs) I think. (laughs) Um shall I oh wait do you do you have stairs to rate or is just gonna be more question marks
1: F F F F I uh I I can't say this up with a hundred percent confidence but I'm reasonably certain there were no stairwells in that entire film yeah I cannot think of any certainly um stairs on a basketball court so you know yeah
2: um I'm gonna talk about about two movies here um Mm -hmm. And I, so I watched this first one, um, it's called, it was a made-for-TV movie by, uh, EY Shunji, who, um, I mostly knew for doing all about Lily Choo Choo, um, and from what I know of him, he's, like, kind of associated with doing, um, these, like, fairly well-considered, uh, like... Interesting and, and like very honest about like movies about adolescence and like going through that that process of adolescence, um, and like actually kind of engaged with like what would kids at that time be like concerned about, um, what would what would they be th- the things that they are latching on to, to like try and process the feelings that you have at that age, um, and so like all about Lily Choo Choo is about like these kids who are obsessed with this bad Lily Choo Choo. Or this uh, musician, Lily Choo Choo. Um, and then, like, going into a lot of, like, how, like, the relationships that you form around a fandom online and, like, dealing with those. Um, I, it's been a while since I've watched it. I want to go and revisit it. But um, mm-hmm. on that uh, com website, um, I saw that they had... Uh, this film from him, which, uh, I knew was kind of hard to find and people kind of vaguely talked about when I had seen anything about it as being sort of like, even though it's this made for TV movie, uh, that's fairly low budget (coughs) being like the first time that he made a movie and you kind of see like, this is his style emerge. Um, you start seeing like these elements emerge. Uh, so I downloaded it. I watched it. It's fairly short. It's like 50 minutes or something. And it's called Fireworks. Should we see it from the side or the bottom? Um, And I watched it and I thought it was like a pretty decent movie. I I was impressed with, um, like, it it has this feeling of like, you just randomly found this, uh, like, TV show or something as you're flipping through channels. And then you just like weirdly get absorbed by it. And it's like you don't really care that much about the show. And yet now this is like what you're spending your, like the next hour on is just like watching the TV show that you just randomly found on TV. Um, and all the characters are kind of vague, but you can like quickly pick up from, you know, the way things were constructed, kind of who they are. Um, especially in the, this, this kind of gets broken in the anime. Cause the other thing I want to, to um log this and i saw that there was an anime of it um and i was like well i'm gonna watch the anime adaptation now it's a movie i have to just like see how what how did they adapt this um anyway uh in the anime they like put most of the kids just in school uniforms for most of the the movie whereas um in the the live action um made for tv movie um they're just, like, in outfits that, like, very clearly signal, like, oh, this is the nerd, this is the, like, really jockey kid, or whatever. You know? The way that you can just, like, in those, like, old TV sitcoms, just ha- put people in, like, this kid's wearing a jersey, and this kid's, like, got a backpack that's just full of shit, and it has, like, glasses or whatever. Like, you know who those kids are. Um, mm. So, one, it was, like, a- amazing how brief it could be, but also I... I um thought it was kind of interesting. There was like some complexity to it. And then I watched the anime. I um, was just like, I watched it and I was like, I can see how you get a lot of like modern romance anime from this as well. How like this certain, like this is like beloved by some people in, Jap- uh, in Japan who saw it on TV when it first aired. And I can see how that would like influence the way that some of this like more slice of life romance stuff has developed since. So that was part of why I was excited about watching the, the, uh the made for tv movies from 1993 but I was excited to then watch the 2017 um anime film remake uh and then I watched it and it just like made me deeply mad about anime and like what <laughs> like what this style of story which the the main story is like just primarily like this realistic story of these kids there's like this style of uh romance anime that has like this like light um like supernatural element and it's like really trying to do deep things with it, but it actually just kind of like sucks a lot of the life out of it. Um, and so I had like a, a really big rant about it. Um, and then, uh, a month passed and in that month, there was a moment where I realized that like my energy to convey, um, how watching the anime film, like galvanized my opinion of this made for TV movie of, of it being like a, a classic, uh, I was just losing the ability to like actually convey that. So I wrote it out and I'm going to read it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you are you ready for this? Uh, Steros is fucking back. <laughs> this is a stupid fucking podcast. Um okay. So Uh, The 2017 anime is a fundamental misunderstanding of the original film that trades all subtlety and nuance for an overwrought supernatural time-traveling narrative. The original was a surprisingly quiet, if a little over-saccharine look at nostalgia and the gentle uh, futility in wondering what if. Um, But this adaptation fully buys into the value of this question. What this anime adaptation misses that the original gently asserts in the background of the text is that uh, Nazuna is one of the, who's the, the girl who they sort of have this crush on, uh, was correct that Norimichi, who's the main character, would betray her. But in a less overt and heartless way compared to Yusuke, who, like, basically stands up. I guess I'll do, like, the, the vague plot of this movie, which is... Um, these two boys uh, both have this crush on this girl. There's this part where uh, the three of them are supposed to clean the the school pool um, in the evening uh, or like after school. Um, and they decide to do a race and she's like, okay, uh, she decides in her head while they're doing this, whoever wins this race, I'm going to ask to uh, take me to the fireworks, but really it's to ask them to run away with me because... Uh, Kind of ambiguous in the original film, um, why she like wants to run away from home, but it seems like it's an abusive home. Um, And uh, the boy that she wants, who is Norimichi, um, hits his his ankle uh, on the the like pool as he's trying to do the turn to like go back down the lap. Um, And because of that, he loses, even though he probably wouldn't have. Um, And so, and she wanted him to win, but she asks. Yusuke, the, the other boy instead. Um, and then Yusuke just like completely stands her up. Is just like, I, I don't want to go to the fireworks. I've decided to just want to sit here and play street fighter two, um, mm. or some like vague anime shooter, um, in the, the anime remake. Um, one of the other biggest downgrades is uh, the boys keep doing bets in the original movie and they keep saying, um, I'll let you read my my like newest issue of Slam Dunk. And then everyone being like, I already have it. Um, and they replace <laughs> that with One Piece. And One Piece is just a downgrade from Slam Dunk, in my opinion. <laughs> slam Dunk is so much more charming. Um, anyway, yeah. um, and then he wonders what would happen if I had uh, won the race. And then we, we see one where he wins the race. She asks him, it's not really explained like what's happening when we're seeing when he won the race. Like, is this like his imagination? Is this like actually him getting in a second chance? Who knows? It doesn't like, it's not interested in that question. Um, and they run away, but then he's, like, so focused on this idea of having a relationship with her. Um, and it basically just becomes clear that, like, no, like, we're we're kids. Like, I'm talking about getting a job after school, but, like, I can't do that. I'm a kid. Um, and they just go home and they, they swim in a pool um, that, like, at night. And it's, like, the most, like, middle school dream that you would have as, like, a middle school boy of, like, oh, we're going to get in the pool with our clothes on and then, like swim together that will be hot um, <laughs> and then uh, there's fireworks and so the there's this question throughout it too where they're trying to go see the fireworks and it's like are fireworks flat or are they round and so they want to see it from a different angle and then everybody sees it and it looks flat in the sky but it's a, a round thing so anyway uh, I will go back to what I wrote out um, so yeah the, the girl is correct actually that norimichi would be uh, a betrayer the <laughs> Uh, The the original, by never explaining why Nazuna is running away, allows the scene where a mother forcefully grabs her daughter and drags her kicking and screaming for help uh, to more evocatively suggest a level of abuse or dysfunction that the anime papers over by emphasizing an arranged marriage aspect. But in the original, one has to wonder what is really going on in Nazuna's life, that she wants freedom, and then be forced to realize that Norimichi, in his single-minded focus on romance and his crush on this girl, is similarly incapable of actually helping her achieve that goal of freedom. The question in the original, are fireworks round or flat, and the Japanese title's emphasis on the angle to view the fireworks, both suggest something fundamental about the world and about these kinds of what-if questions. Fireworks are round, but experientially we see them as flat our perspectives are woefully limited by shifting that perspective. It doesn't fundamentally change uh, the thing that we are viewing in this case, the ephemeral experiences of our past that glow and fade like fireworks. It does not matter what angle Norimichi views the problem of his, what if from the fireworks are round, but they will always look fat uh, flat and Nazuna will always be in need of genuine help, but she will never get it. Um, I have to, to flip over here. um, I, like, lost where I was in the page. Um, there we go. Um, but she will never get it because Norimichi and Yusuke both have a crush and are focused on this idea of a potential first love rather than actually helping her. Both boys, in their immaturity, are unable to actually help the girl that they like. Um... But the anime presupposes that we could create a world where fireworks are fundamentally flat. So the thing is that he has this magic marble that in the anime that he can throw, and it allows him to go back to a moment of what if and see a different perspective. But as he's doing that, he's changing the fundamental nature of the world, including fireworks become flat, and like stuff continues to get weirder and weirder as it goes on. And, of course, the solution at the end is to reset everything. But then they appreciate that they had this, like, whatever. Um, right. So... Um, so yeah, now Norimichi can actually solve the now defanged problem of Nazuna's life. And so even if the end suggests a return to the normal world, it is still one that has been fundamentally changed. So the other thing at the end is like, Oh, he's not at class anymore. Like something has changed. Um, even though they like had to reset it. Um, but that's just not how the past works. It's not like how memory works. The, the original film is about memory and about like, you can go back and, like, think about all the different ways that, like, you could have approached something, but, like, the fact is that this boy was too immature to, like, actually help this girl who needed him. Um, but this is, like, no, you, like, go through that, and then you can, like, fix the the path, and that that path is well, now I can be in a relationship with the girl, not like I'm actually addressing the actual problems that are going on in her life. Um, so this is the part where I just got really angry about anime. Cause it like misses the whole, what is like quietly powerful about the movie, which is just like, it doesn't matter what, what he does. Like he can't help her. Um, and this is like, Oh no, they go on this whole adventure and he's like helping her run away from her parents. And then they learn that that's not really the answer or whatever. Um, And it's all about the romance and it's a good thing that he just wants to romance her. Uh, just made me like deeply, um, upset at the, the adaptation and at like general romance anime stuff that has this like general approach to things. So anyway, that's my rant. Thank you for reading out the thing I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of stairwells, uh, the original movie, because it is made for TV there's a lot of people on sets and so you don't see people go up and down stairs um, right. F. Um, the anime so the uh, the anime in addition to the the marble like adds in a bunch of stuff with this like lighthouse and there's a like a bunch of convoluted world building stuff happening with the the like time travel loop stuff. That's just stupid. Uh, but it does involve many, many scenes of them running up like all these stairs to get to the top of this lighthouse, uh, multiple times. So I gave it a C minus. You do get a lot of stairs. Okay. <laughs> Stairwells is back. <laughs> Stairwells
1: is back. We, and you we... know how it's back?
2: How? <laughs> Cause I have to pee. mmm me too <laughs> Um I, I will just do a mark I guess
1: Yeah I'm just gonna mark this And uh <laughs> we will be back
3: <laughs> Kiss like a friend Kiss me like a friend Say we'll never end Searching for the colors Of the rainbow Melody never say good And mm-hmm.
2: Well, i'm waiting for for autumn to get back uh i'm gonna tell this brief little thing which is so we tried to record this like i think a week ago i think it was last sunday um no wait it was before that um we tried to record this like getting back things back on track thing um and it was when like autumn was just was like, I think I'm feeling better. And then we tried to record. Um, and I just like started to just barely get into that, that like fireworks thing. Um, and they were just like, I'm too sick. I have like, I just like completely zone out. And when I try to talk, I have no, like, it took a server to intro the podcast because they were just, um, really struggling to find any words cause they were so sick. Um, but yeah. And then we tried to record last Sunday. We're, I'm, this is the following Sunday. Um, the Sunday before you're hearing this, we tried to record last Sunday and, uh, I was too sick cause I got sick again. Um, so, but we're back. We're back, baby. We're back. I um, mean, I've been back, but okay.
1: Well, the thing about we is that it means both of us, jackass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, on April 20th, Arrow was doing this, like, um, uh, you see there, are you you familiar
2: with, with marijuana? Um, you're gonna have to be more specific.
1: Like, do you know what marijuana is?
2: Uh... Give me some help here,
1: <laughs> so marijuana is, is a plant that sometimes people like might smoke or eat or or, or or consume in some way in order to get high.
2: Oh, I've never done drugs, not even beer. I've never even heard of sex
1: um so so one of the things that people call marijuana sometimes is cush yeah and um arrow. Did this thing on 420, which is the weed holiday, um, where it was like spotlighting a bunch of Peter Cushing movies because his name's got Cush in it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyway, I, I was see high. the connection. <laughs> <laughs> and um, started to watch this movie with Peter Cushing in it um, and then had to pause it because I knew that Nora had to see it. Um, and the the one that I picked out was called, uh, it, it <laughs> movies used to be made different. <laughs> it is a, it is a Spanish movie entirely overdubbed in English, probably had a overdubbed in Spanish release as well. I don't know. Um, but, um, in Spanish it's called like panic on the trans Siberian railroad. Um, in, in English is just called horror express. <laughs> um a movie in which peter cushing is a um scientist who is just shaking the trans-siberian railroad um and christopher lee is also a scientist who has like dug up some evil thing from from like the the movie starts with like He's on an Indiana Jones expedition. This is 10 years before Indiana Jones comes out, but, you know, it's not like Indiana Jones invented any of that shit. Anyway, he's on an Indiana Jones adventure, and he digs up some dangerous thing, and he's transporting it back to, to his, his lab in London where he can study it further. Uh, people keep trying to look at it, and he's like, no, don't look at my evil box of evil. And um, this... <laughs> Wacky preacher guy. He's very funny. This was the guy who I was like, oh, I have to show this movie to Nora because she's gonna love this guy. Uh and I think she did. Um It's been a while since we watched it, so I I genuinely don't remember that well, but um Anyway, um <clears throat> Um 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 Um, um, um. The, this creature guy <laughs> tries to draw a, a crucifix in chalk on this box that Christopher Lee has. And yeah. the the chalk doesn't write. And that's how you know that the box is evil. <laughs> and they get on the train and people keep trying to look at the box. And someone opens up the box and in the box is an ancient evil caveman. <laughs> All right. That has a... a, a Uh, an evil eye and when its eye glows at you um just the one yeah only one of them is evil okay um but when the eye glows at you it does the thing and it takes over your body and so like you know the the authorities on the train put down the ancient evil caveman but it's already possessed one of the other passengers on the train i think the chief of police on the train is who it possesses in its final moments um, and so then you've got like a thing plot on your hand and um, it's not a very good movie by any stretch, but it does have Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee hamming it up uh, as an evil caveman that, like wreaks havoc on this train um, and uh, a, a very goofy preacher guy. The, eventually, the goofy preacher guy is like, you know. I submit myself to you, oh, dark lord. Like, I, please don't kill me. Um, and, like, thinks that this evil caveman is, like, a manifestation of Satan or something. Um, And, like, becomes a devil worshiper. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it's a dumb movie. But it's... Got- the thing is that a bad 70s movie is leagues and leagues better than a bad movie of now that's yeah. just the fundamental thesis of like ornate stairwells and i'm sorry i'm like this but i am
2: <laughs> well and like how long was it
1: 87 minutes max yeah. I, let me i've got the wikipedia open let me see here 90 90 Tight 90
2: <laughs> i mean honestly for me that's part of it is that it's just like like, when it was one of these movies, they just... They don't go along with it. They just don't.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and and Peter Cushing and
1: Christopher Lee are just compelling actors. Yeah. And they're just hamming it up. They're having a good time. This is, like, the eighth movie they've done together out of, like, 20, you know? Like, they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah. Like
2: <laughs> It's still fundamentally, like, people on a set talking to each other and acting and doing their job. Um, yeah.
1: Which is just, like, that's fun, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just now thought of, uh, there's that thread going around a little bit ago of Orson Welles, um, like, bad-mouthing people, like, just trash-talking. I think that mm-hmm. was the one that had the, um, like, Italian movies, like, if you want to pretend to be a director, just go there, because the, the actors know what they're doing. So just point a camera at them. <laughs> and you can make a movie. <laughs> this is a this is a spanish
1: movie that feels remarkably like an italian movie Yeah, you know like i i do not know anything about the director would not be surprised if he like this was like a co-production with italy or if he had done italian movies oh i i clicked on his page Apparently, the thing he is most famous for is doing a bunch of movies with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So, yeah. yeah, like, same concept. Oh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, those guys know what they're doing. I will just put the camera in the room with them, and they'll handle it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then it's still, it's still a fun time, because yeah. they pointed a camera at them. <laughs> yeah, those guys are great. Um, are there a bunch of stairs on this train? No, there
1: are no stairs on the train, unfortunately. <laughs> F. F. <laughs>
2: um, um, shall I talk about Crash? Go for it. Um, people can go. I watched this because they did it on uh, repertory screenings. People can go listen to that. Uh, it's on the Abnormal Mapping Network. Uh, it's a great episode. Um this might be my favorite Cronenberg. I feel like I need to like go back and revisit more of his stuff because um I watched a lot of his stuff in like uh high school undergrad especially. Um and but at the oh. time I remember Crash being one of my favorites um and I it still holds up. Um a lot of what I liked about it uh, I've only found more interesting now that I am like m- more um honest with myself about my queerness and other things related to that um it is it's honestly like a a remarkable depiction of like kink communities and the psychology behind some of that stuff but in just like a uh um like a very matter-of-fact way where at once, it is like about the dangers of kink and about like having these. You know, if people aren't familiar with the the Cronenberg film Crash, it's about people who get horny from being in car crashes, which is honestly a very dangerous kink to have. Um, and it is about like some of the the dangers around that, like that it that is uh, contended with in it, uh, but also in a way where it's not just like, well, it's like it's bad to have. Not normal sex, like wave finger. Um, it's just like far more an actual, honest depiction of this stuff. Um, and honestly, just like, uh, there are some moments where it's like a little bit more into this like body horror stuff that people I think associate more with Cronenberg, um, but also with just like a very different tone, um, where. Like, one of the biggest ones where there's, like, seems to be prosthetics is there's a, a scene where, um, I forget the actress, uh, but she, like, you know, is wearing, like, braces and things because of the the accident she's been in. Um, and she, they go to, like, a, a um, like, automobile dealership, and she's basically, like, she's still hot but it also has, like, visible scars on his, her legs and, like, you know, these, like, uh, braces on her legs and everything. And she's, like, basically seductively asking the, the guy, like, can you help me get into the car? I want to see if, like, I-, I can fit into a car built for normal bodies. Um, and clearly just, like, toying with, like, his discomfort mm. around being attracted to a disabled woman essentially in a way that's like, just like feels like it actually hits well. And is not just like bad and gross or anything around her. Um, She's like fully aware of like what she's doing with the salesman guy. Um, But yeah, it overall, it's just a fabulous movie. I recommend people watch it. Um, And one of the things that I think is really interesting about it too, is um, the way that it like, it treats the machinery of cars in the way that you would, like, um, treat the erotics of the human body, and then whenever they talk about the the human body, it is always, like, in the way that you would talk about the machinery of a car. Like, there's this uh, sex scene where the the two main characters, uh, David Spade, Spader and his... Um, is it David? Now I'm like, what's the... Cause I said that and then I got David Spade in my head. James Spader. <laughs> um James Spader, and then it's like her wife better in the actor. movie. Um, yes. Um There's a, a sex scene between them where um they're like basically spooning having sex, uh, and he's like not saying anything, and she's just like basically asking him, Are you gay for this like guy who you know? is sort of the, the leader of this like, uh, orgiastic polycule of people who like to crash cars or whatever. Um, but is like asking him questions about it in like the most like weirdly clinical way of like, um, do you know what semen tastes like? Uh, do you know that some semen is like saltier than others? Um, (laughs) and it's just like referring to everything by like, like, it's just like, penis and anus like and he's like weirdly um like it feels so stilted but i think it's this like intentional uh almost clinical talking about the body because also when you first see the the character that she's talking about there he's like at the hospital after james spader's accident and is basically just asking a bunch of questions about like his accident but in ways that uh it's like slightly weird but also in a way where if it was just like oh he's just a doctor who works here you'd be like He seems a little, like, over-fascinated with this, like, patient's case that's not his own patient. But also, this is a way that, like, doctors talk to patients about their bodies sometimes. Um, So, yeah, I just find it, like, very interesting for how it's exploring all this stuff. And also the way that... um, I'm sure that this is, like, a a fetish that, like, someone has, but it's not, like, a very... um, widespread or like common one in the way it depicts it is probably not what it normally is. And so it's this weird thing of them, like inventing a fetish just to like explore right. how human sexuality itself is kind of a weird thing in a way that can like slightly divorce it from like basically everyone. Um, like no matter who you are, you can still watch it and be like, sex is kind of weird. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like what, like the sex
2: drive, whether you're ace or not, Like, sometimes you just look at it, and you're like, this is a weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I feel like it's just good at doing that in a way that um, can be challenging without, like, uh, actually coming off as, like, well, these people are just, like, sick degenerates or whatever. Um, Right. So great film uh however it is about people who like to be in car crashes uh which means that most of the the movie takes place in like cars or like hospital beds or things like that um so I don't think there's a single step in this film I don't remember any stairs
1: yeah that sounds about right
2: uh Max Steel Okay so like <laughs> We just got a sandwich of like Crash between two just like Real schlocky films it seems like Okay
1: so like I own a smart TV <laughs> and, You know you turn on the TV And sometimes it's like Hey here's a movie And sometimes Nora and I are like well that's got 16% on Rotten Tomatoes according to the TV I guess we'll hit the button And we watched, I, I wanted to watch Max Steel mostly because I was like, is this a sequel to real steel? Oh, according to Nora, it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) Um, to which my response was mostly like, it's not like that bad. It's not good. It's a really bad movie. It's a really bad movie to be clear. I just thought it was like the most it is the most like neutral movie it is the er movie it is like a, a a a young man um like his father was a scientist and he gets caught up in this like his father was like doing experiments and he like now he has this young man has superpowers and a little like buddy sidekick um and then it turns out that one of the other scientists that his father was working with is evil and also (laughs) aliens are involved somehow i don't know it every movie is this this is every movie yeah time immemorial
2: did did we accidentally go back in time? Are we talking about Horror Express again? Um. Like every movie is just about a
1: young boy who is the chosen one, and and like oh my my father maybe did some bad things, and this guy he worked with is evil, and also there are supernatural evil things happening. I don't know. It's not a good movie. but it's not like a it's a very bad movie but like in a totally inoffensive way um (laughs) I kind of forgot about watching it honestly (laughs) it's the most like nothing movie I've seen in a while like nothing happens it doesn't matter it's apparently a reboot of a like Ben 10 spinoff or something I don't know (laughs) (laughs) what? I got Nora's mouthing something toward me.
0: It's older than Ben 10, it's from the turn of the century.
2: <laughs> it's older than Ben 10 apparently. Um, this is like the most lost I've ever gotten in you describing a movie to me. <laughs> you brought up Ben 10 and I was just so confused.
0: <laughs>
1: so, Max Steel as an IP has like a 2000s cartoon, a 2010 cartoon and then apparently a like 2016 movie all three of these things are disconnected one of those cartoons reminded me of ben 10 when i looked at it on wikipedia that's the entire okay
2: it's, ben 10, by way
1: of... <laughs> it's 10 ben 10 by way of reboot says nora <laughs>
4: um...
1: um this is the most nothing movie i've ever watched uh i've totally forgotten it um
2: do you Do you remember any stairs in it?
1: No, I remember that there were no stairs okay. so f
2: um I mean, do the f in here um so i I was trying to do the continuation of um like neve watches some sort of weird porno and talks about it. Uh, and so I watched uh, To Sleep with a Vampire, which is a, a movie that I found on rarefilm.com by searching vampire, I think, um, and looking especially at things that seem to be like erotica stuff. Um, and considering that the name of the movie is To Sleep with a Vampire, uh, gotta say, extremely disappointed that nobody sleeps with any vampires. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What are we doing um, here so the the basic plot of it is there is uh this vampire who um is trying to like live an ethical life basically, and the way that he does that is that um he basically will will um like force himself not to feed until it's like literally if I don't feed tonight, I'm probably gonna die. Um, and then what he will do is that he will find someone who seems to be deeply suicidal and will will talk to them a bunch and like you know, this is a person who wants to die anyway and was like planning to die tonight, so I will now feed on you. Um But in talking to so he goes to the strip club and um sees the stripper who uh at for like a good five, ten minutes of the movie, I thought that her name was Nia because of how the actress like kind of slurs it, but it is Nina with, with an extra N in there. Um but I just I did think it was very funny. Um But anyway. Uh don't don't put that I'm just looking at the edit you're making. Don't put that in between Shang-Chi and Snake and Eagle Shadow, because I want to go straight into Eagle Shadow. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> um in the process of talking she like basically decides that she wants to live um and then it becomes her like trying to escape from him and uh it's clear that force won't work because he's like super strong and super fast and so she's basically trying to seduce him into um like her her like way to try to get him to escape is like let me seduce him long enough that he won't feed on me and then the sun will come and kill him um and it succeeds. Her plan succeeds at the end. I'm spoiling the end of this, but whatever. The mm. main point of the, the movie is really to have like uh, a vampire who's just like a shitty brooding man. Um, and then like a hot goth girl. Um, and for him to be like, tell me about the sun. And she's like, I work nights at a strip club. Uh, I haven't seen the sun in like months like what the, you, you took the wrong girl and being like, okay, well tell me what it's like to be like, have friends. And she's like, okay, remember that part where I'm like a sad goth girl who works nights at a strip club. Like I don't have friends. um, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> And then it just like continuing to be like them having like really what I, my final, like, takeaway on this this movie is that um it's clearly like it is like um three by four like that style aspect ratio seems like it was probably made for tv to be because i i know like that rare film whatever they um also try to look for like a lot of made for tv movies and stuff uh because those are even less likely to have been like preserved than some other stuff uh so it seems like it could have been something that was like made and shown on like late night cinemax or something like it has a little bit of that vibe you do see like some not super uh explicit but like you do see tits like strip shows happen early on in the film and then she does one at the end um when she's like trying to seduce him um I didn't even
1: watch this movie and I feel so ripped off right now. It's called To Sleep with a Vampire and you get a couple tits a little bit.
2: Yeah. And like no like like there's one part where um he because he's like basically invulnerable, uh, but he can like cut his own skin and so he does that to and like forces her somewhat to feed and it's like, oh, it's like a drug, it will like make you temporarily feel what I feel like, the the powers that I have, but it will wear off or whatever. Um, but it's, like, the start of how you would make a vampire or something. It's not really explained. Uh, but anyway, it's, like, I watched it and I was, like, okay, it seems like it was made for that. And so, like... The director had to, like, play to, like, okay, this is going to be playing on late night whatever TV. People are going to expect, like, boobs and sex or whatever, because that's why people are watching this at 1 a.m. Uh, on this channel. That's, like, why you would watch that back in the days, because you it there wasn't the internet. You couldn't look up porn uh, in the same way <laughs> you, you could, but it would take you, like, a half hour to download a JPEG of tits. So... Um, but what he wanted to do was to do like a experimental, like introspective movie about like, uh, mortality and suicidality and, uh, vampires, but also he's not very good at doing that. Um, and so I watched it and I was like, this either just needs to be like schlocky, horny vampire, like, you know, like weird blood sex happening, like just go all in on, like, what the premise of this is, like, end with a big, like, wild... Like, the name of the movie is To Sleep With a Vampire, end with some, like, wild vampire sex or something. Or, like, have this be, like art film, whatever, and, like, actually have interesting interrogation of the stuff that you're trying to talk about, uh, but it just does not thread either of those needles um, in a way where I just watched it and was, like, deeply disappointed, because, um, again, the only movie is To Sleep With a Vampire. Like, you, right. you promised sleeping with a vampire. <laughs> um, <sighs> but she does like smoke a lot and have a gun. Um, so I did still like her character. She was cool. (laughs) Okay. Um, anyway, it's a fairly low budget movie. Um, and most of it takes place inside rooms or, uh, in a car as they go to other places. So, uh, F, I don't remember any stairs.
1: Uh, I watched V for Vendetta, (laughs) (laughs) which is, kind of a crazy movie to watch in 2022 you know like (laughs) so so okay so on the one hand and i want to like get into it a little bit but like the the broad strokes is that on the one hand i had a really good time watching this movie on the other hand like in twenty fifteen, I think on the fifth of November, like there were guys who ran around my college campus with Airsoft guns with the the orange tips torn off and, and V for vendetta masks on, and it was scary, <laughs> you know, yeah, and they were just a couple idiot like frat guys who thought this was funny, but like you know. <laughs> It is, like, really weird and difficult to divorce, like, I enjoyed watching that film from, like, the cultural baggage of that film. (laughs) You know? Um, And so, also, also, I'd seen that movie before. Probably, uh, I was watching it with that one boy I had a crush on. So probably when I was 14, I would guess. So it's been a while, and I didn't remember a goddamn thing about it. Um... Yeah, so, hi, listeners, we're back. There was a little, a very minor technical difficulty. We got through it, um, uh, but I do not remember what I was saying
4: right before. You were talking about
2: Uh, uh, watching V for Vendetta with um, a boy that you had a crush on. Yeah, so it
1: had been a very long time. It had been a very, very long time since I'd seen it. I basically was watching this for the first time because, like, I had no memory of this movie. Um, And... One, I forgot. <laughs> One, I forgot that Hugo Weaving is just a delight. You know, even under a mask with a voice modulator so you can barely tell that it's Hugo Weaving, he's he's just fantastic. I love him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, two, I forgot that the character he plays is like the worst piece of garbage human ever. <laughs> and that's like not me commenting on the politics, that's me commenting on I like fake put you in prison for weeks and tortured you and made you believe you were going to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of fucked up a little bit. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I forgot about this movie is that a solid like 30 to 40% of it is just like two cops being sad in this one set over and over they only had one set for the cops to be sad in (laughs) and they got um and the two guys they got um i forget the actors names but they're they're just pretty good at being like sad detectives um who like kind of trick you into thinking this is a noir movie sometimes because they're like how how deep does the conspiracy go you know, like yeah. this goes straight to the top. This shakes my fundamental like belief in society and, and what we're doing, you know? Um, that like I don't think this is a noir movie, but I think it's like, oh, we 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 sprinkled a little bit in here and there, you know? And I think it I, I think it makes the movie a lot better, you know? Yeah. Um I think like I remember this movie as just being about V. And I think if it was just about fee, it would be a considerably worse movie. Because like, I think that character is a lot of fun and good, but I think like, if it was I think the politics are like I think the politics of this movie are sort of like, intentionally like vague so that like, anybody watching it could be like well I think authoritarianism is bad, and you know the people who i don't like are authoritarians and so i think you could be like a very right-wing person and be like yeah this is just like what communism was like and i think you could be a very left-wing person and be like yeah this is just what like america is like (laughs) you know um and i think literally anybody could watch this movie and see their own politics in it and be like yeah fuck everything like fuck how things are you know yeah um uh and i i think like having the sort of like sad cop movie like texture to it just makes it a more enjoyable film that sort of like distracts you from how empty i think some of those politics are you know yeah um also just very interesting um that in this movie about uh, in this movie written by the wachowski sisters um that um many many times like genocide um and like oppression of black and brown people is alluded to um but we like actually see how queer people are affected uh by the fascist regime in like four different instances like black there are no black or brown people but we we are told many times that like they're being oppressed by the society that is only vaguely alluded to However, we get many different stripes of queer people and we get like very like intimate personal details about, um, you know, the the struggles that queer people go through. Uh, And I just, you know, uh, if uh, on an island, I think, oh, you know, that's I think this movie could be better about how it depicts race. But then when you put it into the context of all the problems that all the Wachowski sisters movies have, you're like, Hmm, this one's a real head scratcher.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um It's been so long. I think I like watched this movie in theaters when it came out and have not seen it since.
1: Yeah, um, I don't I don't think it's like so spectacular that people need to like go out and rewatch it right now, but um I was pleasantly surprised by how much I just enjoyed it as a film, you know?
2: Yeah. I feel like Um, this was also in the period where Natalie Portman was really trying to, like, not be Princess Amidala, but also, like, every time that you saw her, you were like, oh, that's Princess Amidala. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is, like...
1: I I think this is still true. But there was a period where, like... Because her very first film is this, like, you know, respected art house movie. Um, And then she's in those fucking star wars movies and i think there was a period after the star wars movies where she's like i'm gonna work my ass off during every fucking movie i show up in yeah every movie i'm in i am going to work my ass off so that my career does not get bogged down by that star wars shit and um you know good for her black swan is a movie that exists and now no one (laughs) like i don't think people just think of her as uh as padme anymore so good for her
2: um, um, the other thing is whenever I think about this movie, um, so when I was in high school, uh, which is when I met Emily, we had a mutual friend who, um, we'll come up when I talk more about, uh, Kino's journey when we get to that on, on Ghost Ivy. Um, but, uh, our mutual friend, uh, they were from, they were born in the UK and then like, I forget the exact details of, there's something about like their parents their dad's job where they like traveled to a bunch of different countries. Um, so they like lived in Oman for a while. They lived like in some other countries, um, and also lived in the U S and during high school, they're back in the UK now. Um, and every year they would do like a Guy Fawkes day thing where they would just have a bonfire and like invite friends over to just like throw shit into the bonfire to like free yourself. Um, and the year that Emily and I both graduated from high school, um, I threw in a bunch of shit that my abusive ex owned and gave me, um, mm-hmm. including some stuff that like I probably should have returned, but um, that wasn't gonna happen <laughs> anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Emily threw all of the like religious textbooks because she went to Catholic school. Um, so <laughs> but I just always think of that because that's like what Guy Fox, like, that's the, like, good memory I have of Guy Fox is just throwing a bunch of stuff from my abusive acts into a fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, that would have been, like, this movie would have been not too long before. Because I graduated in 2006 um, from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, stairwells in V for Vendetta.
1: Um, there's one in a, like... In the scene where, where V does the big final confrontation, there's one that, like, frames a bunch of shots, but isn't really featured in many shots. Yeah. Or, 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 like, there's no dramatic action that happens on the stairwell. It's just that there is a stairwell in the background to make the scene a little more, like, visually appealing, you know? Yeah. Um, I might say like C
2: minus for that. Okay.
1: Um mm, I might say D plus for that. I'm Ooh. gonna say D plus.
2: Wow, that's a that's a oh wait. My brain heard you say D plus but then translated it to B plus briefly. Um, <laughs> I was like that is a major upgrade, but no, it's a slight downgrade. It's a slight downgrade. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton to, to say about this next movie. Um, I think this was actually was, so we tried to record this podcast, a a week ago. Um, and, or something, it was a time that we tried to record and either you were too sick or I was too sick to record. Um, and I just went out to the living room being like, ah, eh, we're not going to record. I think this was when you were too sick. Um, and Emily had just started this movie run, which I think is on Hulu or something. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a little bit of like a horror movie. Um, it's basically about this, uh, girl who, um, I won't go into like all the details that she finds out, but, um, the basic premise is, uh, she starts finding out that like her, so, um, her legs are are paralyzed and she uh, uses a wheelchair um, and has to take all these medications and is homeschooled and begins to realize that her mom is actually like drugging her to make her legs paralyzed and like keep her at home and be able to control her. Um, And it's like about trying to escape from this like extremely, extremely abusive controlling mom. Um, More details get revealed as it goes on. Um, there's also a really dumb twist at the very end that I hated. Um, it was like my least favorite part of the entire movie. Um, it was just like in there to be like, Oh, um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, it, it still like worked as a, like, you know, horror movie at times. There's just like, Oh yeah, there's like some good buildup of tension and stuff. It was like entirely, uh, adequate uh, you know, (laughs) uh, point at it. That's a horror movie. Um, (laughs) and, uh, one of the big things. So there is a part where she's like, has this whole thing where she's trying to escape from, from the home. Um, and she is like, you know, her legs are paralyzed. Um, and she discovers that she's like even locked in her bedroom. Um, and so there's like, she has to like go out the window and, and, um, like basically drag herself along the, you know, it's like the, the two story, like suburban homes where the second story is a little bit smaller. And so you have like roof right outside the window. So she does that to get to a different window. um, You know, unlocks the door, uh, goes and gets her wheelchair and then goes to go down the like wheelchair lift on the suburban home stairs. And then, uh, discovers that her mom has like cut the cords so that that can't be used either, um, and so then has to like try and get down the stairs. Uh, so the stairs become like a key part of the the escape. It's still like a B plus. It's the suburban home stair. Uh, it's not like mm-hmm. the best stairwell scene ever. Um, but it does like make it a a key part of this like um really tense trying to escape the home sequence. So, um. And there's also some other stairs throughout it um I mean if like the a final scene also takes place on stairs um so you know b plus but uh overall, like I don't know if I'd recommend people go watch this unless you like just really want to watch this horror movie, then like go ahead mm-hmm. uh but yeah, entirely adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Um Rocky. Man, Rocky's got some stairs. I just thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky's got you know what? the fucking stairs. Okay.
1: Okay. We'll start this off. Rocky's getting an S for stairs. Mm-hmm. Because the stairs, the stairs in Rocky, aren't even the best stairs in Rocky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> because you go into to Rocky's apartment building and okay. So, so like, I know that I say a lot that, like, oh, that's the best movie ever fucking made. Rocky's genuinely, <laughs> truly, I am not exaggerating, I'm not doing my whole, like, thing. Rocky's
2: one of the best movies ever fucking made. <laughs> it is really fucking good. It's, like, anyway. top-tier <laughs> sports movie. Uh, the best sports movie. Yeah. I
1: I would have to I would have to look at it. I have to like really consider it. I'm not a sports movie aficionado despite being a sports person. I don't watch a ton of sports movies. Um and of the ones that I've watched, I you know, I I feel they're often hit or miss. Um boxing movies are probably my favorite subgenre of sports movies. Um I will I will watch a like totally mid uh, boxing movie like i really enjoy the fighter which is not like a great boxing movie but is a boxing movie and so i yeah. enjoy it a little bit <laughs> anyway um rocky um the, the 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 best stairs in rocky secretly <clears throat> um so you go into rocky's apartment building and there's this like like really poorly lit shitty fucking stairwell that you have to like walk up to get to his apartment And in the best scene of the movie where um, this guy whose gym he works out at like comes to Rocky's home and they have this big argument because um, this guy wants to be Rocky's manager and Rocky's like, you know, where were you 10 years ago when I need your help? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Rocky starts
4: screaming
1: at him, like yelling and yelling and yelling. And like you get this very sad old man, like walking down the stairs, like feeling so hurt by all the things that Rocky is saying. Um, And you just watch this very sad old man, like, slowly walk down the stairs. And it, even as he gets outside, he can still hear Rocky, like, yelling at him. And Rocky, like, finally gets it all out of his system. And then he comes down the stairs to, like, you know, like, be like, I'm sorry about all that. Let's let's fucking train for this fight. It's the be- It's the fucking best thing that's ever happened in a movie. It's fucking incredible. And it all centers on the stairwell. So, you yeah. know. <laughs>
2: um rocky has to get an s because it has one of the most iconic stairs in all of cinema and it's not even the best stairs of the movie yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it has stairs so iconic that they built a statue for a fake guy yeah (laughs) the movie's fucking amazing Um. also just like you know, earlier in the episode where I was like, oh, even a bad mo- 70s movie just hits different, like, uh-huh. if I was going to, like, if someone was like, Autumn, why do you talk about 70s movies so much? I would just be like, I just need you to sit down and watch, like, Rocky and the taking of Pelham One Two Three back to back, and you will understand why I'm like, 70s movies just <laughs> hit different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> If you really want to get nuts like Lady Snowblood like make it a triple feature like just you know 70s
2: movies hit
1: different. Yeah. Rocky's fucking incredible.
2: <laughs> uh, if people want to hear more thoughts about
1: Rocky. If people want to hear more thoughts about Rocky you can go to odd.io and give us normally Pop Town Funk is $5 a month but this time we made it Available for our $1 patrons, so for just $1, you can hear uh, Nora and I talk about Rocky. Nora, considerably less taken with Rocky than I am, but that's fine. I think we had a great episode out of it anyway. Yeah. Um, Nora, <laughs> Nora, not being a person who cares about, like, 70s movies aesthetics in the same way <laughs> that I do, it was just like, it's just a sports movie. I
2: don't know. <laughs> um... <laughs> i i would have to uh, go back and look at what all the other um like stuff that you've done for pop down um, funk was but i think this is the the one time so far that you've you've drawn something i've been like oh damn i would like to watch that
1: <laughs> i
2: mean next um, time we're
1: doing Sid and nancy which i feel like is like that one's also, extremely yeah the, Sid and nancy and rocky like is a weird like oh stairwells like leaked into um <laughs> pop town weirdly uh
2: Sid and nancy is is one just like yeah that's a movie that i'd like to watch and talk about um yeah i have a history of being a punk kid um also Sid and nancy is like related to plot points in the manga nana <laughs> so oh shut up yeah <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> Um, you
1: and me are going to watch Cop Killer. <laughs> that movie <laughs> that Nora didn't want to watch.
2: I'm also going to watch Sid and Nancy.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, anyway, do shall I talk about Shang-Chi?
1: Yeah, I think um, I yeah. I I have now talked about Rocky on three separate podcasts. I, I I think it's out of my system a little bit.
2: Okay. Um, I don't have a ton to say about Shang-Chi other than i think it's my favorite marvel movie that i've seen um and most of it is just that the the action is better uh it's still hollywood action there's still a lot of like cutting what actually what happens is there's not a lot of cutting on hits they are trying to do more of the hong kong style especially early on um this happens less as it moves on but like There's a fight that happens on a a city bus that's, like, extended and feels like a, like, stunt-filled fight scene that would happen in, like, a Hong Kong action film. Except they're not doing the thing to cut on, uh, cutting on the hits to hide that it's a fake hit. They're using CG to do that. Uh, but there's still, it's still fake hits that they they are hiding. It's not the, like pure athleticism and just like these are just like these are like bodies performing these are like people who have amazing control over, over their bodies who are um like you know engaged in this and and doing an amazing performance for you uh but it was still like that sequence that fight is really good um and when i saw that i was like wow this is incredible uh all marvel movies should just be like this um mm-hmm. and then the movie itself could not like had to just become more of a Marvel movie and couldn't be like that. And the fight scenes just got like progressively worse as it went on. But yeah. um,
1: Also like the other thing, the other like layer of this on a similar note is that like Tony lung, like phoning it in and not caring, man does not care, does not want to be here. Still more compelling than like most of the actors they get for these movies.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) I still, when I would see him on screen, uh, say that's Tony Lung, and then Emily would say, "Who's that?" And then I would say, "You really gotta watch like some Tony Lung movies." <laughs> 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 um, I feel like I need to find like the one that she's most, the best chance I have is like a good action film with Tony Lung. I think like she's not gonna enjoy in the mood for love. Um, is she
1: gonna be you think you think she'd go for hard-boiled?
2: maybe um has he ever like acted against Jackie Chan? the thing is that she just really loves Jackie Chan
1: <laughs> uh, surely he has right? like yeah. that's gotta exist. I'm gonna google that while we talk because um, uh, if it
2: exists, I'm adding it into to our uh, spreadsheet somewhere <laughs> but anyway, um I don't have too much to say else about Shang-Chi. I just... It felt... It gave me a glimpse of something else that Marvel movies could be, even as it then failed to do that <laughs> as the movie went on. Um, it, it was still yeah. just nice for that. Um, but the other thing is... So I mentioned that um, Emily and I both extremely love Jackie Chan. He's, like, for sure in my pantheon of guys. Um, just one of my, like, top favorite guys to see on a movie screen. Um, and... One of the things that we did is we watched all of the Rush Hour movies uh, over the course of two days um, because we just like Jackie Chan. But like, the fuck the director, um, those movies in particular, like accusations about him talk about those movies. Uh, so I'm not going to really go into detail about them other than uh, like, boy, they sure are a product of like a, a brand of um, comedy that just existed at the time that I just don't think you could do like the same style rush hour anymore um but yeah uh also it's a uh hollywood jackie chan movie so like the action's not nearly as good as it is in snake in eagle shadow which i watched because um you watched some batman thing where there was like uh what was the name <laughs> it was german for snake i just. watched yeah <laughs>
1: I watched Batman's Soul of the Dragon, which is a dreadful movie. A, 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 you know, incredibly racist, incredibly yeah. bad movie. That also, I was sick, and Batman was, like, fighting ninjas. And so, like, on some level, I was having a good time. But, like, I really cannot stress enough. It's a bad movie. People should not watch it. It's very racist. But, you know, Batman yeah. fought ninjas, and so I had a fun time. Anyway, one of the people that Batman fights...
2: Um, is what Schlangenfaust?
1: It, yeah is named Schlangenfaust, which I asked you was like, is that evil hand and you said no, it was it's snake hand and you'll never believe this folks <laughs> it, the man's hands turn into snakes yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, tell me if you've heard this one, but uh because German is a language where you could sort of like you know compound words any which way, uh a, an evil german person in a movie um has a very
2: literal evil last name <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but anyway you you mentioned this to me and i was like damn i should watch snake and eagle shadow a movie where people fight with a technique called uh snake's fist or snake's hand or something uh, some of it mm. i think it probably depends on like translation and stuff i think it's snake fist though um Uh, it is, like, a fairly early Jackie Chan movie, and it's just absolutely fucking incredible. Um, it was directed by Yuan Wu-Ping. Um, a lot of the choreography is just absolutely top-notch. Um, there's, like, a fight scene where a guy has a, um bowl balancing on top of his head and they're going through the entire fight um, and there's a, a decent bit at the beginning where I just thought well they must have just like you know done a little thing to like sew the the um, the bowl onto his hat or something with like how perfectly it's staying on there um, and there wasn't a cut and he just did a move where he tipped his head back and caught it with his hand and I was just like what the fuck <laughs> It was actually on his head that entire fucking time. Um, it's just fucking incredible. Um, it's, so the basic plot of it is, uh, there's this like Eagle style. Um, and then this like snake style and there are two warring styles of Kung Fu, basically. Um, and the, this master of the Eagle style is going around and killing everybody who knows the like snake style. um, because he can do that now. And he wants to just like end the feud by killing all the other people. Um, and so, uh, kills like the big master, but then there's a, another guy who's like posing as a baker basically, um, who knows the style. Uh, and then Jackie Chan is some like schlum at a, uh, martial arts school that I forget what style they're even doing there. It's not that important to the plot. Um, and they basically just like use him as a punching bag and aren't like really teaching him and just like have him clean the floors all the time and stuff um and the he ends up running into this beggar and the the beggar like teaches him how to fight including like how to sort of do a little bit of like that drunken master kind of stuff that we'll see from Jackie Chan as well of like mm-hmm. you know dodging stuff but in ways where it like almost seems like you're falling and then you get back up and things um but this being it like situated within it's like part of snake style where you're like kind of um moving like a serpent where you will like dodge out of the way in in strange ways um and so he he ends up teaching it to um jackie chan and then jackie chan's character uh eventually meets the the eagle style guy and uh even though he was told not to say anything or use the snake fist or whatever to like give it away he just like immediately um because the the eagle shadow guy like has incorporated some of the snake style into his fighting sometimes uh was so like oh you know that i know that and then the guy's like like, mm, like take me back to your teacher basically i'm gonna like kill everyone um and then uh Somewhere along the way, there's a part where Jackie Chan uh, sees a fight between a cat and a snake and the cat wins. Uh, And so he develops his own um, cat's claw technique, uh, Mm. which involves uh, one, it's similar to the snake style, but instead of doing the like snake hand, he like opens it up more like where it's a, um, you know, fingers like kind of, if you like splay out all of your fingers and then you like curve them in like. You know, you turn them, but you still have, like, the the bottom part going straight out, so you kind of get, like, a claw, like, bear claw, cat claw thing. Uh, he does that with his hand and then has, like, these jumping attacks that he's incorporated where um, usually his finishing move is he will jump up on someone and then, like, do the both cats' claws on the side of their head uh, in the way that he saw the cat, like, kill the snake by attacking its head. Um so anyway, there's a big final confrontation, uh, giant final fight. It's sick as shit. Um, there's a part where he gets kicked in the face and for real, in actual life, lost his tooth. And they just left it all in. <laughs> um, he just does not have a tooth for most of the fight. Um, it's incredible. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things where you you watch this movie and it's like, the The plot is just there for some absolutely amazing fight scenes and action scenes. and like there's also a uh, a scene early on where um one of the teachers at the school where they're like being mean to Jackie Chan um goes and steps in some like flower basically and then is walking around so that he has to clean it up um and then later after he le- he learns like you know the snake style he's like doing a elaborate thing of like throwing rags under the guy's feet and everything. Um, that's also just fantastic to see. So, um, yeah, the, the like fight and action choreography and stuff. Um, it does have this like thing that I, I come to expect from Jackie Chan of like, sometimes it's just funny and goofy and that's great. Um, but then also some incredible fights. So highly recommend it one of my favorite um, of, like, this era of kung fu movies. Uh, Just an absolute top-notch film. Um, What do you think? Like, 2027
1: is when we just pivot to watching every Jackie Chan movie?
2: (laughs) Maybe. I... God... The thing is, we will just... Like, I don't want to just watch all of the Rush Hour movies and talk about them on a podcast. Um, But...
1: Yeah, like, we... (laughs)
2: I mean, we would have to
1: make some <laughs> rules anyway because the man's been in like a hundred yeah. movies, and we'd be. But like, I could, I can definitely see the version of this podcast where we're like every like non English language Jackie Chan starring role,
4: yeah, <laughs>
0: <You know>? yeah,
1: <laughs> and we're just like we've just de- decided to devote all of twenty twenty nine to this project. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The thing is, I just love the man. Um, yes. Also, like, it's one of those things where um, there are, like, there's some overlap in Emily and I's taste, but often it's this thing of, like, oh, okay, like, there are these things that she watches, uh, some of them I don't enjoy that much, and she'll, like, watch them while I'm recording a podcast, or, like, while she's at work on her headphones. Um, and in the same way, there's, like, a lot of, like, art house cinema stuff that she just does doesn't have any care for. Um, and often our stuff aligns where it's more like, Oh, she learns to watch like a Disney movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that with you. Like, I can I can appreciate this. We have a kid. We'll probably watch this with my kid at some point. Um, but like if Jackie Chan's in it, just both of us will be like, hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Play it. Um
2: I literally just started playing rush hour during a lunch break because I was sick. Um I didn't like have the energy to to like bike and stuff, and I didn't really have anime to watch as like podcast homework. Um and so I was just like, I want an action movie to watch like while I'm eating my lunch and then, you know, when I get back to work it can still be on. Um and I just opened up HBO Max and I saw Rush Hour and I was like I do love that man. I do love Jackie Chan specifically Uh, and hit play on it. And just like immediately Emily was like at work. Normally she's like extremely absorbed in whatever she's working on. Uh, And she was just like Jackie Chan. It was just like, like took her laptop over and was sitting next to me watching rush hour. And I was just like, yeah, we're just going to watch all three rush hour, I guess. (laughs) Um, And God, snake and eagle shadow is incredible. Um, Again, highly recommend it. You should watch it. It's one of my favorites. <sighs> um I don't remember any stairs though, so I put F with a question mark. Now I noticed in here, um did you did they I don't the the Silent Hill movie didn't come out in nineteen ninety nine, did it?
1: <laughs> i I put a video game yeah,
2: on the list. You did. <laughs>
1: i put a video game on the list i just like we've just been talking and i just realized like the the thing that i did most like recently that like ate up a lot of my like normal movie going brain um was was play silent hill the the 1999 playstation 1 video game yeah uh and and, like I just thought it was really good. Yeah. I don't have a video game podcast. I don't have any outlet for for talking about Silent Hill, and so I just wanted to talk about it for a minute because I, I I just think it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I played this specifically to well, um, so over on the abnormal mapping podcast, um grace and ryan recently started up a podcast called um safe room you can go to abnormal mapping.com and look around for safe room i don't know it might be like abnormal mapping.com slash safe room but i can't guarantee that anyway um which is a game club uh specifically focused on horror games um and they did their first episode on silent hill and i was like oh i want to like play an hour of silent hill and 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 try it out just so that i like kind of know what it is um and i've tried many times to play silent hill 2 and thought it was too scary including after i finished silent (laughs) hill 1 i tried playing silent hill 2 again i was like oh this is too scary i'm done (laughs) um so i didn't really expect to get through silent hill but i do keep dropping this thing i'm fiddling with which makes me think i should stop fiddling with it on the podcast Um, I didn't, I didn't expect to finish Silent Hill, but, um, I did, and it's one of my favorite video games now, because at my core, I just really like when video games give me a three dimensional space, and I can walk around, and they give me a bunch of cool camera angles. Yeah. (laughs) This is also why I got really into the first Resident Evil game. Um, (coughs) um, um, I think the first Silent Hill game in particular is, like, really interesting uh, for its era because, like, it's, like, one of the first games like this that is entirely in 3D, where, like, you know, Resident Evil is this, um, is, like, 3D characters on 2D backgrounds, whereas, like, Silent Hill is, like, entirely a 3D space, which means that you can get, like... They do the Resident Evil thing of, like, very intentional, like, ways of framing shots and fixed camera angles. And, like, anywhere you go in Silent Hill, they're going to have, try to have a very specific camera angle that they want you to see that space from. But it's a 3D space. And so then when you move through that space, the camera can, like, swing around in all sorts of, like, really interesting ways that are just, like, really fucking cool. And it's really a shame that like video games knew what cinematography was from like 1996 to 2000 and then just forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I just think silent Hills a really cool game. Um, and yeah, it did like very much like scratch the same itch for me as like watching movies because, um, it's just cool. Like I, I, I am just more interested in, like, walking around a space and, like, seeing a bunch of cool stuff than I am ever in, like, I don't know, shooting a bunch of things in a video game. And so Silent Hill was very, like, I don't know. I just felt like it was engaging, like, the the same part of my brain that is engaged when I'm, like, watching a movie for stairwells, say. Yeah. You know?
2: um, <clears throat> Silent? Oh. I I have, like played a bit of a few silent hill games um the original silent hill is the only one that i've like i i think i beat it or i at least played a a fair amount of it um but my roommate in undergrad uh silent hill was like one of their absolute favorite uh series and so like I watched them play through Silent Hill, Silent Hill 2, Silent Hill 3, like basically Mm -hmm. everything that the Wii one. um, Shattered memories. Yeah, if it existed back in like, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, um, and it was a Silent Hill thing, um, I watched them play it. So uh, I have like a lot of affection for that series. Uh, There are definitely some of them where I'm like, I'm glad that I'm just watching this because I have, like, a much higher tolerance for scary movies than I do for, like, video games. Like, just being Mm. in control of the character makes it so much worse for me. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Giving me the control makes it worse, you know? I think, like,
1: I never died in Silent Hill 1 because it's a very easy video game. I think in Silent Hill 2, I need to just, like, let some monster, like, murder me in a brutal fashion so that I can be like, ah, yes, the danger is only to the man on the screen. I am not the man on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> because right now, I, like, like as I tr- have tried to press through Silent Hill 2, I'll get to a door, and I'm like, that's a scary door. I'm not going through that door. I guess I'm done playing the video game now. <laughs>
2: um, I think, too, some of it is, like, there there is a certain space in my life for games that include lots of failure states um but if i'm playing something like silent hill i'm i'm playing it for like the atmosphere and the story and everything in a way mm-hmm. where um having to deal with like a game over and the consequences of a game over uh it's just like i don't i don't want this <laughs>
4: yeah (laughs) i don't i don't want it
2: to be scary and the threat is like i just have to confront that scary thing like i don't want to be like if you scream too much during the horror movie you have to rewind it and watch it again (laughs) 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 just let the movie keep going (laughs) um but yeah the that first silent hill in particular too is just great one of my favorite things is um the way that they use the limitation of the PlayStation to like render draw distances to just like amplify how, how creepy it is. Um, mm-hmm. in a way where I, I actually don't, cause I think there's some stuff where, um, I'm sure that people, it de- probably depends on like emulators and stuff. There's been stuff where it's like, can sometimes be difficult to, um, play it, not on original hardware, or at least this was a problem for a while um because of the the fact that like some stuff could actually render things better and it like ruined the fog effect um yeah
1: um yeah the the i, I people t- talk a lot about the 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 fog and i think that's so important but uh, the other the other important aspect of like that that i think people uh sometimes neglect to mention is that they put all this fog so you can't see shit <laughs> But then they give you a radio that just starts going like
4: every
1: time a monster is near you. And so you know that somewhere out in that fog is something fucked up and evil looking, (laughs) but you don't know where it's at.
2: And that's the scariest part of all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, Also, this, this whole thing about the fog is very half remembered on my part, but I just remember there being some weird thing. That involved um, the fog not being rendered properly and it being, like, terrible. (laughs) I think, like, I know, because I was watching a
1: little, like, a couple YouTube videos about this. I know in Silent Hill 2 that's a real problem because, like, they made that game for the PlayStation 2. And, like, they based it around this very specific way that the PlayStation 2 would render things. Um, So that the fog looked amazing on the PlayStation 2. And then every port looks like shit. (laughs) Even Like the one on the original Xbox looks like shit. The one on like new, better hardware looks like shit. Because like it was just based on the way that the PS2 like did this certain thing, you know? And they just could never quite get it right on different hardware. (laughs) That might also be a thing with the first game as well. I just, I was watching videos about... um, The the ways that this affected the second game in particular.
2: Yeah, I may just be thinking of the second game stuff. I don't know. But, um... (coughs) Good game. Uh, Do you have a stairwell to rate? I don't remember. Um, There are definitely some good stairs.
1: Oh, I wanted to uh, say one other quick thing, which was just that, um... Like, I remember when I was, like, 15, I was like, oh, I want to make movies someday. And one of the things... No, not 15, because, like, I had very, like, traumatic hospital experiences after I was 15. Anyway, probably I was, like, 17 or 18, like, oh, I want to make movies someday, and I want to make, like, a horror movie that's set in a hospital. So it was very validating to play Silent Hill, and they just, like, had every idea
4: <laughs> for yeah.
1: a horror movie set in a hospital. I was like, oh, cool, that exists. Now <laughs> that idea is gone from my brain, thank God. Because I'm never ever going to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um Oh, and uh, one other point. Um and I think I think Safe Room hit this even better than um I'm going to hear, but like um I have always heard the Silent Hill series talked about like as coming out of like J horror stuff, like um Ring or um Cure, which we've talked about on this podcast recently. Yeah. Um and I think Safe Room does a good job of like no, this is entirely like just Twin Peaks. <laughs> um I, I, I They talk about more stuff, but I think like um it's really interesting the way that Silent Hill is is a little tiny bit kind of like Cure or Ring or or other J horror things. Like, a little tiny bit, a tiny tiny little bit of like Suicide Club type stuff in there. Yeah. Um but like it's just taking a bunch of, like... Because this is an American town. And so, like... In almost the same way that Earthbound is. It's like, oh, we just took in a bunch of, like... Um, American media. But, like... Don't fully know, like, the whole context of it. Because we don't have any, like, lived experience in America. And so we're just sort of, like... Re- like Refracting American media back at an American audience. Um, which just means that there's a lot of Twin Peaks in this game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I I think that I sometimes just think about with like Twin Peaks is how huge of an influence it has in a way where like this is the Silent Hill is more Twin Peaks than like a lot of just general J horror. There's also some J horror that probably has a little Twin Peaks in it because Twin Peaks oh, is yeah. just huge. <laughs>
1: um, oh yeah,
2: one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's just weird sometimes to think about how much like Twin Peaks, this American TV show, had like an influence on Japanese culture. um mm-hmm. Yeah, this. I I I don't
1: know if this is true, but there are like, you know, people on the internet talk about like. Oh, part of the reason that the voice acting in Silent Hill is like like that, by which I mean bad, is that like there's a very like particular, like purposeful, like stilted way that people talk in Twin Peaks, you know, like David Lynch, like directs them to talk in this like very weird way often um, (laughs) that I think then like just gets like oh, that's just what people talk like in, in this sort of thing, and so we're just going to make the voice acting like this in Silent Hill, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Anyway, um, for stairs, I want to give it an A+, because I think I think there are a lot of really phenomenal staircases. Like, I can think of, like, three or four different um, staircases that I think are really top-notch in Silent Hill. But I think, like... I don't think a video game can cross into the S rank for me because, like, you're walking around a 3D space, of course there are going to be stairs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's no... Like, there are some really good stairs that are framed really well and really dramatically and, like, lead up to dramatic moments. I def- I want to be clear about that. But, like, stairs are just a much more, like... If I was grading video games on the same criteria that I grade movies on, like almost every game would get an S rank, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So. Uh, Last, but not least,
2: Dress to Kill by Brian Tranny Serial Killer Movie Tranny Serial Killer Movie (laughs) Yes. Um. God, this is Michael Caine
1: Tranny Serial
2: Killer Movie Yeah. (laughs) Um, also, this is the last movie that we watched together, (laughs) like literally a month ago, literally a month ago. Um, yeah, you came over the, so the, the last time we recorded was the day before I was going to leave, um, to go to Michigan and see like Emily's mom for, you know, Um, Easter. Yeah. Easter and her birthday. The bigger thing was her birthday. Um, and literally on the train there, I started feeling like a scratch in my throat. And then, uh, and that was like at night I took the train there. Um, and then the next day I was like literally so feverish and sick that I was just like confined to a bed. Um, and, uh, Emily and our toddler started feeling, they actually got a different thing. Um, that was developing that um, uh, Emily's mom also got. And then I got concurrent with the other thing that I had, which was something that like um, both Emily and my toddler had gotten like days before. And I thought that I had managed to evade. Um, So yeah, I just was like extremely sick for a really long time. Uh, And it started like at, my mother-in-law's house and then i was just like feverish in the car as like emily was like i'm gonna get us home before i get super sick so um Mm -hmm. yeah it was just a nightmare for a while but you did drive me to the train station and you you came over a little early before um it was time to go and i had started up dressed to kill while i was at work so um you basically saw it all i think yeah i think i missed like the
1: first 20 minutes maybe yeah um I don't think they mattered.
2: Um I think you came in <laughs> at the part where um there's like a, a another character who's sort of set up to possibly be the serial killer but isn't and they kind of just like stop doing stuff with him, I think. I don't even entirely remember. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um but this other character and um the first woman who gets murdered in this is like Brian De Palma extremely doing psycho as well.
1: Um, this is like the third time in his career that he's extremely done. psycho. Yeah. also. <laughs> and
2: so there's this woman who's like set up as the main character and then gets like murdered in the first act. Um, and then this other woman is the main character after that. Uh, but anyway, mm. you know, psycho. Um, but yeah, there's this, but, but
1: unlike psycho, like the- dress to kill gets better when the second lady shows up psycho falls off a fucking cliff when yeah. the first lady leaves
4: <laughs>
2: um but yeah the there's this part where the first lady and this guy who i guess the guy's like maybe kind of related to michael kane's character i think that's like set up er, very early on um mm. anyway um and it's sort of a, a fake to make you think that he's the serial killer but there's this part where uh they're both at a like her and this guy are at a um fancy art museum and like having all these like Weird situations where they're, like, trying to, like, catch up with each other, but then, like, missing each other or going around corners, um, losing each other, blah, blah, blah. And it is this kind of nice, um, I don't know, there's, like, a a good, like, the sound is basically just, like, the feet stepping on the, the hard floor, like, the tile floor, um, and, you know, she's obviously wearing, like, fancy high heels or whatever. Um, and so it, it is just, like, this good moment of them, like, kind of chasing each other. And it, um, at once, like, sort of cap- capturing the, like, romantic chase because it ends up with them going home together um, to, like, have sex. Uh, but then also, like, building a sort a certain, like, weird, um, like, foreboding tension. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it—I don't remember fully all of the plot of what happens. Um,
1: no, I don't really either. But like, Michael Caine is playing a psychiatrist who is treating a a transsexual patient.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and the the transsexual
2: and- patient is um, upset that he is not uh approving like the reassignment surgery
1: yes and like and is leaving him voicemails like i stole your razor and i I, i'm killing and they're gonna like they're gonna pin it on you if they get these forensics or whatever blah 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 yeah um and um michael kane is like trying to investigate um and meanwhile like the also also like this is the movie that he makes right before Blowout and so half the cast of Blowout's here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the same <laughs> actress who's in Blowout is the the second girl who comes in um uh-huh. who is named Blake. We kept laughing about that.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um and I forget exactly how all of it plays out, but um I forget too, but basically she
1: and um one of the guys from Christine, the guy who owns the car in Christine,
2: <laughs> yeah. Who um, I think is the this is the one who's the son of the the the
1: son of the the woman who's
2: killed, yeah. Um, and his um, dad his dad died in the war too, so now he's just like an orphan. Um,
1: yeah. So they're they're investigating, and like basically, I forget how all the plot plays out because also there's a cop who's like. The, the really shitty guy from Blowout who never washed his hands um, yeah. after he peed. Um, he's a cop, and he's like, well, you know, I can't... Oh, because they know, or, or they they know or they suspect that um, this, this person, the serial killer, is one of Michael Caine's patients. And so he's like, well, I can't get in to Michael Caine's office legally to get that, to get his appointment book, and he's not gonna break doctor-patient confidentiality for Which, me. Which,
2: by the way, you so, can break doctor-patient confidentiality when someone is murdering people. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> just for, like, <laughs> general... <laughs> I think someone in the movie points this out, and Michael Caine is like, oh, well, that would be wrong, yeah. though. Um, um,
2: in fact, most, like, uh client-patient or, um doctor patient confidentiality stuff like necessitates if uh the life of the patient or someone else is in danger that you have to like report it (laughs) anyway
4: yeah
1: but michael cain is like no i won't be doing this so in the in the big climactic scene um basically (laughs) because michael Caine is the worst psychiatrist ever um he meets up with um the the girl from blowout um, Blake, Blake. Yeah, <laughs> he meets up with Blake, and she's like, "Oh, doctor, you're so sexy. What if we fucked right here?" And Michael Caine is like, "That w- I really want to fuck you, but that would be unprofessional." And she's like, "Don't you want to be unprofessional?" And he's like, "It would be unethical for me to fuck you right but now." But I do
2: really want to fuck you. But, but just to
1: be clear, I really want to fuck you. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> but it would be very unprofessional. But if I'm being honest, the unprofessionality of it does make it a little bit hotter for me, but it would be unprofessional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: And there's this whole scene, we're
2: like... You know, if he cared about professionalism,
1: there are a million ways he could shut this down. And he's clearly going to fuck her. Like, yeah. he clearly is not being a professional right now. I don't know why he's even pretending. Like, maybe
2: just not even say in the first place of, like, I would like to, but I'm not t- going to because of professionalism. Maybe just be like, no, no. what? Put your clothes back on. No. What's happening here? Um, for example. <laughs> so
1: she, So she's like, well... I'll give you a moment to, like, think over my proposal. And she goes into his office, and he's in, like, another room in the in the same, like, place. And she, like, finds the appointment book, and she, like, you know, she finds out the killer, and she goes back into the other room, and it turns out that Michael Caine was the training serial killer the whole time. Yeah. And Michael Caine is here in, like, heels and a blonde wig, uh, and... Um, he also
2: has, like... Hollywood dissociative identity disorder where, um, yeah, yeah, the, the, his, uh, like tranny side is upset that, uh, he is not letting her, you know, g- go through with like all of the surgery and procedure or whatever. And then, um, like because is like uncomfortable whenever, like, she gets a hard-on or whatever, is then killing all the women who, who cause it. Uh, just yeah, extremely, like, like bad, like, gross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I... I <laughs> so, another way that, that De Palma does Psycho here is that... <laughs> De Palma does Psycho, but more, because Psycho ends on a really bad scene Yeah, where we zoom out to, like, a bunch of cops sitting around and like explaining very basic Freudian shit. Um... Yeah. And like, oh, that's why the serial killer is so fucked up. And, and, and. <laughs> Dressed to Kill does this scene like Three different times because it does The cops doing this it does Blake explaining it to the kid from Christine so the Um, thing is The
2: cops doing it is the closest to Psycho The one uh where Blake Explains it to the kid from Christine Is hilarious because it's Just them in a like fancy Restaurant as people get more and more Uncomfortable around them where she's just like Explaining how sexual reassignment Works (laughs) Mm. and like the most just like yeah this is just like this is what it's like Um, it's wild
1: (laughs) she's like a little bit oh yeah this is what it's like like trying to explain it to him but really trying to explain it to the audience but also she's like intentionally like playing up wouldn't it be so fucked up to get your balls snipped off and this like 17 year old kid who's like clearly not comfortable in his own skin is like Starts to imagine his own balls getting snipped off while this hot blonde, like this hot thirty-year-old blonde sits across from him and
2: just, like yeah. Who, in being the next a little bit inappropriately flirting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, you, then you just see all the other patrons of the of the fancy restaurant getting more and more uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just I love that the, the terrible 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 mishmash of like like all the awful ways that like Hollywood treats transsexuality and Hollywood treats mental illness that culminates in every time Michael Caine gets a boner his tranny serial killer side activates
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, that
1: is literally the
2: explanation <laughs> yeah it it is um, it is wild. Um we oh, had fun right, laughing at it.
1: <laughs> we had fun laughing at it because because then after the the restaurant scene is a scene where a hot big titty blonde nurse comes and like like changes michael kane's
2: sheets at
1: the mental hospital or something and he gets an erection and kills her <laughs> yeah
2: and then there's a scene that might be part of the scene or might not where he then goes wearing the nurse's outfit or something to yeah to um kill blake and we get like this very intense, like "Oh no, he's escaped, and he's like going to kill her." And it like gets to the moment where he's going to kill her, and then she wakes up, and it's revealed that it was a dream the whole time. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um,
1: the movie ends four times, and each one is stupider yeah, than last. <laughs> maybe even
2: five times. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was bad. Um.
1: This is what I meant last time, or, or I, I guess, yeah, last time when I was talking about like, De Palma makes sicko movies for sickos. Yes. This is what I meant.
2: <laughs> um, the thing when we were watching it that you said too was that um, it was this was kind of what you were hoping, um, Let Me Die a Woman would be something like this. Yes. Where it's like, yes. Using it just for like a shock factor, and there's like a story, and it's just like, it's bad, and it's doing like, not great things, but also, like, as a trans person, you can watch it and laugh about the bad serial killer tranny movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, I had a blast watching it. Um, yeah, deeply hateful yeah, towards me, but <laughs> it's like it's
1: the same way I feel about Silence of the Lamb. Silence of the Lamb is a movie I take more seriously, but yeah. like. Silence of the Lambs, like, oh, I love this movie. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It's just a, you know, everything I want in a movie. Also, like, deeply hateful toward me personally.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Dress to Kill is the, like, goofy version of it. Yeah, that, Dress to Kill you know? is the
2: schlock version of it, rather than the, like, uh, high cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was great, though. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> we at the time <laughs> that we watched it uh had the foresight to rate the stairwell. Um I don't remember. I know there was a subway stairwell. I feel like there was more. We gave there's a, a
1: subway stairwell and there's De Palma like doing the
2: vertigo stairs, I wanna say, but like not that good. There is a part where um in a way that hasn't fully revealed to you um the viewer but there's a conversation between what you think are the two psychologists talking to each other but it is in fact the psychologist who's been who um uh Michael Caine's character has been seeing talking to him about and it, who is like fully aware of the identity right. stuff so he's also not reporting it which makes even less sense than I can understand once it's all revealed of like oh yeah of course you're not going to report yourself <laughs>
1: yeah of course but you're this gonna, other guy yeah. like Michael Caine is like oh I think you know she's been killing people and blah 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 and this other guy should be like oh good okay and then he should immediately dial 911 <laughs> after this because yeah. he
2: knows that those two are the same people <laughs> yeah Um, but no he just shows up at the end to help with the um explaining Yeah. yeah <laughs> what a stupid movie
1: Stupid fucking movie. Um, I love it. It's so good.
2: I'm glad that I went into it uh, knowing that it was just going to be the, like, bad, tranny serial killer De Palma movie. Um, Because on on Swim fans, they just, like, blind picked it as a De Palma, like,
0: (laughs) erotic thriller movie. (laughs) Oh, no! Oh, no!
2: And no, I mean... One of one of the hosts, at least, has like some gender identity stuff, but like none of them are like transsexual equipped trans like trans women stuff. That like this is really uh-huh. getting into. Um, I was just like, man, <laughs> y- y'all struggle with this. Now I'm gonna watch it and have a fun time. <laughs> um, they should watch Sisters. Yeah, we should watch Sisters. Another movie I want to try and get on the schedule before we go to to Lynch is just Picnic at Hanging Rock because it's a good fucking movie.
4: Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I was going to mention. This is totally unrelated to anything we were talking about, but um, when you talked about Crash, you mentioned that that's your favorite Cronenberg. And I realized Videodrome is the only Cronenberg I've seen. Do we want to try and, like. This is, like, low on the priority list, but. do we want to maybe try and squeeze in, like, The Fly or something before we get to to the Lynch extravaganza? Yeah.
2: We we should, like, talk through some more schedules. Because with how much we missed, like, I just have a bunch of Japanese movies that I wanted to get through that are on there. But we have a couple spots yeah. where we can we can talk about what we want to throw in there. Um, yeah. But I do still want to finish this I... Yakuza
1: movie thing. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you Uh, Any spots I've got left Before the David Lynch-a-thon I'm probably going to Prioritize like Chinese crime movies
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know,
2: I'm not surprised by this Um, So What we have Right now, one thing, I don't know How well we're gonna be able to get things back on track uh, Currently um, But like, if Our priority should be watching Sonatini for next episode Um, If Uh we had time to watch another movie, we could also watch Hanabi and do a double feature Kitano. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that would be fine. Um, And that would clear up a spot. But otherwise we currently have uh, the next episodes will be Sonatine, the third man Hanabi. There's three empty slots after that. We wanted to try and get in a Terayama Shuji film. I don't know what, which one yet. Yes. Um, Then we have our, uh, after those three, we have our uh, Shakespeare so there are four Hamlet movies um, oh right then there's an empty slot and then we have uh, the two dead or alive movies that we're going to try and get M on for and Drive I'd be kind of fine actually not doing Drive after all of let's this but let's skip Drive yeah. I,
1: I love Drive we'll do a Drive podcast someday because like we can definitely like revisit a lot of like Refin feelings from the early 10s you know yeah like, I'll have things to say about Drive, but I, since time is short, uh, there's other stuff I'd rather prioritize.
2: Yeah. Uh, but that gives us five things to, or six, if we do a double feature with Hanami to, to put movies into. So, yeah. um, and there will be a week. There's just a planned week that, um, there won't be a podcast because, uh, unless we like figure out some way to just do a little bonus pod maybe to release, but um, I'm going to be going to Emily's brother's wedding in August. So, well, we'll probably miss an episode in there, but um, yeah, that's, that's all the movies we had to talk about. We made it through. This is two and a half hours. We've gone longer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sterols is a good podcast.
2: Yeah. You also recorded a 60 minute podcast today. It's just funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I am.
4: <laughs> <coughs> um, Where can people
2: find you online? Oh, yeah, we do this. Uh, you can find me at Fox Mom Nia on Twitter. You can also follow Media f- underscore Pile. Um, I've been posting there a lot lately. My schools have been sick, and so I just haven't been, like, actively doing things. I'm trying to get yeah. back into it. I finally finished the first volume of Silver Spoon. Hell yeah. Um, where um, can people find you?
1: People can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all the other podcasts that I do by going to exportodd.io. There we have links to all the free feeds, Or, you can give us a dollar a month. You can get this podcast early. You can get Gotham City Limits early. You can get Hot Singles early. We just recorded a Hot Singles yesterday that I think is fucking phenomenal. Um, And... What was I gonna say Um, next? You can give us $5 a month and listen to Pop Town Funk. I already plugged that earlier, so I'm not gonna do the whole spiel that I normally do.
2: Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Um... If you go and give a dollar, you will already be ready for when Connor and I start pondering Putan in like a month and a half or whatever. Um, oh, Lord. Because that's going to be a week early for patrons. Because that's one where we can do it. Um, also, go yeah. listen to Ghost Divers. Gonna Those talk divers. a bunch about Nana tomorrow night, and it'll be out. Um apologies in advance to M. I mean at the when they hear this, they will have already gone through it.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, um, I think that's it. Okakoro is real.
1: Okakoro is real and the Philadelphia 76ers are dead to me. Okakoro is real.
2: <laughs> Okakoro is real. Hi. You host this one
1: I do host this one I was just getting some mucus out my throat and That's why Nora's we're still tweets. remote
2: <laughs> Who's editing this? Am I editing this? I don't care Either way
1: I got a real, I've got a real troublesome Gotham edit, you know. It's going to be a real hefty one today Mm. or this week. So, I would really appreciate it if you took the editing duties off off my hands for uh, stairwells, since, you know, stairwells. We're going to wrap it up in like fifteen minutes. Gotham. Oh my god.
2: Do you think (laughs) um, M and I will be able to record about Nana for like ten minutes?
1: (laughs) I I think, I think you're going to drag them. Kicking and screaming to a a tight 45, you know.